0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you guys are having an amazing morning, afternoon, evening, walk, run, exercise, whatever you're doing right now. Uh, Today's episode is a little different. It's an interview I did on the Mind Over Matter podcast I did with Heather Hicks. Uh, We're going to be covering a lot of things from learning from your triggers, uh, certain metaphors that I've learned from my son indirectly, uh, certain coping mechanisms that have helped me deal with anger uh, deal with certain anxiety. Uh, this episode's really, really dope. I had a f- lot of fun doing this one and I hope you guys do too. All right. Enjoy.
1: Okay. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I brought on Emroy Bernardo. Emory, welcome.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I feel so awkward now.
1: <laughs> Why?
0: Uh, Cause I was like, yeah, let's go. But now I'm like, Hey guys, let's
1: go. Uh, <laughs> no. All right,
0: I'm, in- oh, no, I'm good.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got this. Uh, give the listeners a little background. Where do you live? What do you do? Um,
0: I I live in Los Angeles, California. Um, I am I run a social media company called Vision Paradox uh, by day, and by night I'm also a professional dancer. That means b-boying, hip hop, and not stripping. Okay, just to get <laughs> clear, because a lot of people think, oh, night you think,
1: dancing.
0: Yeah, yeah, night dancing. No, I, I I'm a professional dancer. Um, I also I tour and perform around the country uh, with a company called Antics and sometimes solo, uh, depending on the bu- booking, while at the same time still running my company on the go.
1: So busy man.
0: And then balancing that with dad life.
1: Yeah. And actually, before we started this interview, we were talking about I'm currently reading Robin Sharma's book, 5 a.m. Club. But you start every day at 4 a.m.?
0: Yeah. I, my day officially starts at 4. I wake up at 3.30.
1: Oh, gee, Why?
0: Um, I wake up at 3:30 because I've become aware over the past like few years. Like I say, I wake up at four, but it takes like 15, 20, 30 minutes for my brain to start officially going. Um, so I give. I wake up at 3:30, so my brain is like, I don't want to get up. Get up, kind of, and then kind of like get my brain to from like waking up, giving it some time to actually be ready to go. So this morning I had that same thing. 3:30 i wanted to go back to sleep there's always that, that temptation every morning to just go back to sleep i get up i i do a small morning routine of i drink a full glass of water um and i uh, i do some mobility training so just the movement and the water alone helps just bring the awareness back to my body and not to the bed
1: <laughs> right and so why do you why did you choose that time
0: um i started waking up uh early in the morning uh funny backstory just backtracking a little bit because I used to love like a lot of people wor- working at night and uh, you know there's the whole conversation yeah be, be the last to leave the office so to speak but at the same time like it wasn't it didn't work out for me in terms of how I wanted to be as a dad I wanted to, so and actually and giving myself the proper rest you know um, so one of the reasons I switched to it uh, is because I used to I used to have this inner dialogue of like of work late and then uh, and be one of the people obviously to to sorry i'm just gonna i lost my train of thought there i'm sorry (laughs) um to just put more hours in a sense but the thing is i started uh, i started switching that inner dialogue i used to hate waking up in the morning because you know being an art student back in the day i i'd I'd love working late but um it just didn't work out for the type of lifestyle that i wanted to be which is kind of balancing my my work life and my and dad life and uh, obviously, uh, and as well as dancing. And it just came to the point where I had to change how I approached work. And you know, as, and then I, and as much as I was resistant to it first, to it at first in waking up, I, start, I had switched the inner dialogue of, you know, wake, uh, waking up early sucks to, you know, the whole early bird gets the worm kind of thing it into um, working late means, you're trying to catch up while everyone is sleeping, and I switched. And then the morning dialogue became more of, I'm waking up early, I'm getting a jump start on the game, and essentially that's how I feel every day. Like like once I got the, the first week of of trial and error, of waking up at five, waking up at four, uh, and then seeing what I created within by eight a.m. was the addicting feelings to me like the thing i'm addicted to if that's the proper word to say is progress and i love seeing the amount of work i get done um with and within i say uh not a short amount of time but ahead of the time so to speak uh, yeah. cuz uh because um i could do the work at you know at f- at wake up at 7 do the work then but the, at, then Everyone else is waking up at that time. Yeah. I want to be. I, I like the idea of being ahead of the game. And then also, one of the other reasons is my son. He's in school. He gets out of three, and then that's a hard stop right there. I have to stop working, or I choose to stop working at that time because I want to be a, a present dad. I want to be there. I want to actually hang out with him, and not be caught up with work while I'm with him. Okay? and I'll be. There are things that get that do slip in through, through the cracks. Emails here, things that need to be handled immediately. Um, but you know, the, then that came to time management. If I wake up at seven, I'm only going to have a set amount of hours to, to work. If I work, if I wake up at, wake up much earlier, I have extra time. And then by three o'clock, I three o'clock to nine o'clock, I can hang out with them. That's a good chunk of time. And then actually give myself time for my brain to rest. Cause I, uh, one of the things I've learned in pre being productive is, you know, hardcore work, but also hardcore rest. So and that's where the, I, one of the reasons I also started switching to the morning because as much as I was working late at night, I didn't get I didn't give my brain enough time to actually rest and recover and kind of marinate on the the day's learnings and the day's uh, everything. So the proper the so the the, the gap, uh, the time of actually resting from say nine o'clock from nine o'clock to three thirty, gives me I gives me the adequate amount of sleep I personally need to be. To actually function, because I can, I can work until one and wake up at three, but I don't care. It, it doesn't matter if I get if I still wake up at three. If only if I only have two hours of sleep, I'm not going to be able to be effective.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, and you touched on so many things there, and uh, you know, perspective that new things are hard, but you got out of your comfort zone and now how productive you are. You feel good. You've created that work-life balance, and I don't think there's any coincidence that all of the quote high vibing successful people, they start the morning early because you do, you get so much done. And I've, I've gotten kind of into this five 30 routine, which I'm loving. And trust me, when I worked in corporate, I couldn't get out of bed at seven and now I'm happily awake on my own at 5:30. So yeah, I think it's, it's finding that time that works for you, but the, you know, the pros far outweigh the cons of quote, getting up early.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it's probably I think it's because also, you know, it when you wake up early, your energy is full and when you give your energy to something that matters to you first thing in the morning, taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. the first thing I work on after my morning routine is I is I work on personal projects that I know that are going to make me happy before I work on all my client stuff. Yes. So it's and compared to, you know, after, by the end of the day, I've already like, done work for other people, hung out with my son, I'm mentally drained uh physically drained, emotionally drained. So it's a little harder to be to perform at the higher level compared to uh, compared to the morning. So that's yeah. kind of my perspective on that. Because the energy just feels fulfilling, kind of like the self-care kind of feeling. Being a little selfish at first in the morning, and then before going everything, going to everywhere else.
1: Yeah, and on that note, I definitely want to put out because I, I've definitely I found this to be common along women that they think self-care is selfish it is not selfish it's necessary because if you don't fill up your own cup you are not available to help others
0: 100 percent like i i'm do i'm like that with uh my son's mom uh, we're not together and, and one of the things i i re- always kept in mind was like she needs her time she needs mommy time so i, I always i'm not gonna say always because that would make, make it seem like i'm consistent with it but i i aim to give her days where it's just her to just lounge to just um you know do whatever she needs to do because I feel like the me time is so important to self-care and it's uh still difficult for her uh, because she feels like she, there's so much on her plate if she does nothing I think it's us uh, I, I feel the experience this as well it's Like like the idea of doing nothing means not being productive or not contributing and I think it's such a I think a toxic kind of Inner dialogue, yeah. to, and then switching it. And, just, and for me, um, I've. It's so. I think the the pressure from other people is that you got to keep going even though you're tired. When in reality, it's like if you allow yourself to take that rest, it might be one step backwards, but it, that would be with that. It's going to propel you to three, four, five steps backwards because you have renewed energy and renewed focus. So.
1: Yeah. Well, and what I would love to touch on is something you shared with me previously, this whole importance of finding balance and being present and how, you know, being a dad is your number one priority. But I loved the story you shared when you two went for a hike. So can you take us back there?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, me and my son, um, we go hiking. I'm not gonna say a lot, but like at least once a month because it, it, I view it as a, uh, actual like journey together. Like we we like if he falls in the water or if he falls on the dirt, I help him get up. It's kind of like a metaphor in life as we're walking through the journey. Wow. So and then like I like every time he's walking, like he's fallen so many times and it's like um I tell him get up it's part like we fall sometimes. Like he he's cried and somebody's like in, oh I got sorry I live on the main street. We let that pass. Okay. <laughs> so um yeah, there's there are moments where he does cry on the hike because he, he, the falls actually hurt. But I hug him, comfort him, and say, It's okay. We fall sometimes if you get up and keep going, and I'm always gonna be here to help you out. Sometimes yeah. I pick him up, sometimes you know, doing. And, and then I for me, I see it as a metaphor as life. He's young, I don't know how he's gonna see it, but hopefully down the line he sees he sees the the value of these hikes. Uh maybe through this podcast he will get it. <laughs> um and but the thing with me is like me being someone who wants to create progress and always get things done like the speed of how we do these hikes because can be a little bit fast and then and one of the hikes we were doing it was about a three and a half to four mile hike to six and then during that hike, and it was a hot day and then during this hike he decides to sit down right where the stream is and i'm like and then i see other people passing by i like family just walking by like five ten families passing by we were chilling for about 40 minutes and I'm like Jordan we go let's go let's finish let's finish the hike but then I see him sitting there and just looking around the scenery and just kind of taking it in enjoying it and then that's where I realized like damn like you know this is this rest is part of the journey just because we're not there yet doesn't mean you know we're not we're, we're quote unquote failing this process. I don't know. That's how it kind of felt to me. Like if we're not going, we're not completing the hike. Yeah. The whole point of the hike is to enjoy nature, to enjoy the process of the hike because the whole hike itself is much longer than actually getting to the end, the destination because most of the water hikes we go to have waterfalls. We enjoy it for like five, 10 minutes and then we walk back. And then the whole hike is much longer than that. And then, you know, that's where he indirectly taught me to enjoy Every part of the hike, not just the part where I get to help him in where he falls, but he indirectly taught me about patience and enjoying, the, enjoying where we are and kind of appreciating it. So that's where I, we, I start, we started throwing rocks. We started just enjoying, I, I just kind of enjoyed everyone just walking by. And that's where I kind of thought, like, just because they're walking by ahead of me doesn't mean that they're better than me, doesn't mean that they're ahead, that they're on their own journey and this is ours We're resting. We're enjoying this together because either way, we're we're all going to complete. We're all going to end, get to the destination, and then go back. So just enjoy the moment now. It doesn't matter. It does. We don't have to. There's no rush to get there. So yeah. And yeah.
1: I can relate on so many levels and I tend to get a lot of epiphanies and aha moments like that when I'm in nature, whether it's it's been hiking or surfing or snowboarding, whatever it may be. But you touched on so many valuable lessons. And I think we get so caught up and we're focused on the destination. So for you, it was to get to the end of the hike. And we literally, we don't enjoy the journey every step of the way. And I know what that's like. I'm very competitive and people passing me that, you know, I would not be okay with that. But instead, you're right, thank goodness you had your son to bring you back down and be like, dad, the moment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. It, it's just seeing him, like I, I I really think that he's probably like a, the coolest thing, the coolest person I've ever met. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because there's a level, like, I know for sure the way I'm parenting him now, I mean, the way me and his mom are co-parenting him now, it's so different compared to how we were both brought up, um, and you know it excites me to see like to see how he views the world and the kind of things he he will be teaching me as long as as well as I'm going to be teaching him, and you know that that because there's a whole you know saying of there's a whole bunch of things that kept coming to mind like the whole uh, idea of the beginner's cup having childlike curiosity uh, the Bible saying. Uh, being childlike and all that, being like childlike wonder. So it's like that's why, like, him seeing the world kind of comes up for me, like, the kind of things I tend to overlook or underappreciate. So, and then, yeah. <laughs>
1: And for me, you know, we've only talked this is our second time, but you seem so chill and relaxed and present and and I imagine all these experiences with him have taught you more patience. But in the past we we kind of talk about addressing your triggers because it wasn't always this way for you.
0: Yeah, uh exactly. Like it it, it took me I and I still feel like it's a it's an ongoing process of finding balance of what do you call it? Working, like follow, like, I guess, f- following my passion you know, and then balancing family life. Uh, and I think one of the things that have always been the hugest challenge for me what was, or can be my anger because, um, you know, I didn't exactly have the proper, the proper role models growing up and how, how I was taught to hold my anger was to suppress it. Uh, i was reprimanded for it so i i um and then that that led me to being a very impatient early on uh in fatherhood or in a lot of things actually and uh, you know it that's one of the things i knew i had to address um so and then going through like uh, the early years yeah i'd say the early years of my son's uh childhood I, i went through i went through uh anger management, I went through, through therapy, I went to, a ch- uh, to parenting classes, I was about to say children's classes, parenting classes. Um, a lot of which uh, gave me a lot of perspective uh, and a uh, lot of valuable tools to help me start handling my issues. And one of the things that, that one of my favorite exercises that I got from my therapist uh, was writing down my triggers uh, with my left hand, and then the right hand was me consoling myself as an adult. So, um
1: interesting.
0: So the left hand was supposed to be like my my to be like supposed to be my my child self in yeah. stating the trigger or the emotion at a very 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 simple uh, uh, sentence. I feel hurt. I feel scared. And then the adult version on the right column it' it's okay to feel scared. Uh, so, um, sometimes we have to deal with difficult situations, so on and so forth. So it, ca- it became more of a, uh, a very, very, um, powerful coping mechan- uh, coping tool. Um, I think I used it like earlier this year when I was going through some, some, some tough personal issues and then it, it's still, it's st- as simple as it is, it, it, it like, tears me up because it's like, uh, the whole point of it is to get activate two different parts of your brain. Um. Uh, yeah and then that be and through that that's where i realized like whatever triggers you is always where the lesson is Mm. and i wish that i was more aware of that or put that into more practice when i was like sooner like way before i became a dad because um because um there were moments where i was triggered and i knew that. This is something to look at. But I ignored it. And I ignored it. And I ignored it. And then uh and then one of my favorite quotes was from Oprah, is from Oprah, where she says yeah, some life comes, sometimes comes to you at a whisper, then it comes to one big push. And that's where it came or that's what it led to. And then and then uh which kind of which led me in jail. Um and then that's where when I was reflecting in jail, I was like. I could ease I, I was all, I was very aware of like, I could point the finger at who called the cops or the, at the cops itself. But then I realized I had to ask myself, how did I get here? How do I never get here again? And then um, that's where I started asking myself like, what were the points in my life that I did not, did, did I not pay attention? Mm. And then uh, now, so like, and it's, it's been a long, hard practice because it's when, when you're in the moment and the emotions are high putting it into practice is so hard and then uh it, and i've got i know i've gotten a lot better at it especially like the like the arguments between uh between me and jordan's mom back then would be like it would escalate quickly but now when me and her don't see eye to eye i i feel it like rising in my gut and i feel the pressure in my head like i'm aware of where that i'm i'm starting to feel triggered then i tell like okay i need well, can we talk about this later? I'll, I need to take a, like a timeout.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's tough because I want, I want to mouth off and be like, and I want to be right. But it doesn't lead to the, the proper, the proper you know, solution. So I need to take that time out and kind of add it. Like I, I let myself cool down, take a nap, eat something. Because one of my favorite things also that I've learned from anger management was halt. Like never get into a serious conversation when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired.
1: Oh, that's powerful.
0: So, and then, uh, so then I, I, when I, during that timeout, I kind of check in, am I hungry? All right, eat something. Am I angry? Obviously, I'm angry. Am I lonely? No. Am I tired? Maybe I need to take a nap. So.
1: Mm. No worries. No. And I think you, you touched on so many things and obviously you have become so self aware. You took a hundred percent responsibility. You stopped pointing the finger. Right. And then I, I feel like your emotional intelligence is now through the roof, but you had to do the work and you're right. I, I definitely try to preach this to people that whatever the trigger is, you need to go towards it. Like you said, the lesson is in the trigger. And yeah. so many people resist it, run away from it, don't want to deal with it. But that's where the less, that's where the growth is.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's a, a very cliche and popular is like growth is at the end of your comfort zone. That trigger is the end of the comfort zone and you have to run towards it because, you know, we can't go out of our comfort zone when it's convenient. Mm. Life's, life's going to throw us, you know, uh, a lot of curveballs. You know, we like when life gives us the surprises but when life throws us curveballs we call those problems so those surprises we call the problems and then we have to uh, address it and then I, I mean recently like last week <laughs> um like just open transparency like my business is going through a rough patch right now and i honestly felt uh super triggered and bummed and and down but i i knew that I've, if, I want, if I was going to get through this, I have to take it head on. But I can't take it head on at that moment. I was feeling down. I was feeling sad. I, was, I felt, um, yeah, In the essence is sad. So I took a lot of naps. I took <laughs> a day off to allow myself to kind of process the emotions uh, and, I think, and then let go and focus on what needs to be done next because so I think it's important to process the emotions but never to live there. I think uh, yeah. some like, uh, some people end up living too long in a certain emotion or a certain state of mind that they make that the reality instead of a temporary place.
1: For sure, and that's powerful to feel the feelings. Like, don't suppress them, don't ignore them. Feel the feelings, then you got to let them go.
0: Yeah. So yeah, now uh, developed a strategy or a plan of attack, so to speak, and things are looking up now.
1: See, uh, okay. and. But the point is you having the emotional intelligence that you have and the self-awareness and knowing that rather than some people would think, Oh, I got to take action and grind and hustle and whatever. No, you had to step back, get into alignment, let things flow. And now that's awesome.
0: Yeah. like I honestly felt that immediately in the midst of feeling that sadness or feeling disappointed, I, I wanted the inner dialogue. was like, like we got we to gotta handle this now. It's, it's fight or flight mode. Handle it, handle it, handle it. And I'm like, but I, but I also knew this is what I did before. Excuse me. But this is what I did before. And it was exhausting. Yeah. And I felt like, let's do the opposite this time. And then um, kind of took, myself, took care of myself mentally. And I still did the, the grinding and the work. But it wasn't from a space of desperation. It was more of a place of, I don't know, empowered possibility because wow. uh, my wordings, how I, approach, uh, how I approach things, is the intent is different coming from a desperate place compared to like where I felt rested, felt focused, uh, focused in, in creating results instead of being desperate for results. Um, the wording, the execution was much different.
1: Would you say that you surrendered?
0: Yeah, I would say that.
1: Yeah. And I I, I think that might be woo-woo-y to some people or um, unknown to them. But I think for me to say surrender is to let go of the need to control, but you just surrender and it's kind of just the faith and trusting the process and, and just allowing
0: yeah trust the process i have heard that so many times especially like from like one of the leadership programs that i was in i was yeah. like oh fucking trust the process <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know if i can curse in here but like i've You're heard good. it so many times but it's like but you know it's such an important thing it's one thing to like hear it but another thing to practice it mm. and to like it's like surrendering and allowing yourself to be feel that vulnerability so yeah. and it's tough because we won't as as people we want to be in control, but sometimes letting go of control creates more results. It's like, for me, it's the same thing as like, you know, that step, so like that step backwards to propel you five steps forward.
1: Yeah. I love that. Letting go of control to get pro. What did you say? Process results.
0: Oh, I have no idea what I just said.
1: It was amazing. Thank goodness this is recorded. Okay. <laughs> so what I want to ask you then is what is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from this conversation?
0: Um, it's kind of a mantra. I live by who you are in the process is much more important than what you achieve. Mm. Cause it, the way I've always seen is like you can be cutthroat or you can be a, you can get your result in two ways. You can be a cutthroat jerk and, you know, lie, cheat, steal to get there. Or you can be the type of person who is patient, who gives and builds, you know, uh, a community, so to speak, or uh, inv- involves people in your journey. Because so you can either have, I think maybe Gary, V said this, you can either, Build the tallest building in town by building the tallest building in town or you can be, have the tallest building in town by tearing others down mm-hmm. so because you know you can be a success you can be su- successful but my favorite saying is uh one of my favorite things is uh people remember how you feel over what you accomplished i think my angelou said that and it's like if you people might remember you that you're successful but if you're a successful asshole, that's how you're gonna remember you so and but then if they remember you as successful you know, that's your personal result, but your legacy is going to be how people remember you, how you made them feel in that process and getting there.
1: Yes, for sure. Well, you, you are just answered one of my first rapid fire questions. And what do I do? I have a couple of questions for you to wrap up the interview. So my second question would be, what is a book that you're currently reading or highly recommend?
0: Uh, I'm currently reading The, uh, the Effective Executive. So, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so it's about being effective. Versus instead of being efficient, Um, but a book I highly recommend to everyone. It's the first book I recommend is Four Agreements," that was a life changer, especially in my perspective of anger. Again, going, going, again, point to other finger, not taking the the whole section of not taking things personally. Whoa, that was it. I'm like, dude.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that book is one of the staples in my collection. Actually, the first quote personal development I can remember reading I was 15 and I I would agree out of the four agreements to not take things personally is the one that has always I've just locked it in you know when things are happening or people doing you don't take it yes that is like a a, more than a motto to live by kind of like I don't know how you say that
0: would be a principle yeah a a value
1: kind of yeah Okay, then another question for you. Um, what advice would you give your younger self?
0: <laughs> oh God. Um, hmm Be humble because you're not as smart as you think you are.
1: Mm.
0: I was I remember in in my twenties i was I felt super I had this superiority complex. Maybe not, oh, it, it, I was trying to flex in front of others, trying to look good in front of others uh, and kind of feel superior to others. Uh, Cause obviously I think it was just a reflection of low self-esteem. I wanted to, so, and then, um, yeah. And then I remember someone calling me out. One of my, uh, I was leading a dance team at the time. One of my members called saying that you think you know everything, like you, you need to like, so. You, like when you don't, as a very blunt statement, but I'm like, I should, if, if I had proper self-esteem, I would have like huh, brushed it off, like nothing, but you know, I took it to heart and I actually like, it, it resonated with me for a week and then you know, that's where the importance of humility helped out, or one of the lessons of humility came in.
1: Yeah, okay, then final question for you, what's next on your bucket list?
0: <laughs> hmm. Skydiving. I haven't it's done it. I know it's something I've honestly wanted to do for the longest time. I have a fear of heights and that's hence I want to do it. <laughs> I just, Good
1: for you. I don't I I won't scare you, but I was so stoked to do it. And I remember in the plane, I did it in San Diego, actually. But I did it looking out in the plane. I was like, oh, shit, that's far. And then we weren't even halfway up. I was like, what do you mean we're not? I talked so much shit on the ground. Like, I want to go out backwards and, and um, you know, make sure I get my money's worth. And then I was such a chicken shit once we got up there. And thank heavens, you're tandem. Because I don't know if I would have. Oof. But it's yeah, awesome.
0: I've- that's intense. Yeah. Like I felt like I, I, that's how I feel like, and I was like, Oh, it shouldn't be too bad. But once you're up there, it's like, yeah. Like I actually looked up the, one of the these packages from a skydiving company, like one day workshop so you can actually do the skydiving on your own.
1: Yeah. You can oh, get my, certified. Uh, go first, maybe.
0: Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah I, I thought that too. Was
1: like, mm. Well, good luck <laughs> to you. And I acknowledge you for busting outside of your comfort zone.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you for having me here.
1: Thank you again for joining me.